The Shop, A Tale of Frightful Incompetence, written by W.P. Thrift, read by Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. Chapter 2, Escape of the Killer Potatoes. Radix was now annoyed that a filthy nicotine was standing right there in front of him, panting with his tongue out. Did you put that back in your mouth? Radix yelled. The guy cocked his head to the side, confused. Oh, wow! That's so amazing! Miranda was so impressed. So you're a person, too? Oh, you're the best dog ever! Oh, hi, I'm Bowman. Bowman quickly introduced himself to what was, as far as he could tell, a person that had appeared from out of nowhere. He held out his hand. The guy shook it, replying, I'm Lantis. Good, good. Now get off my property! Dad, there's a stranger! Get the shotgun! Bowman yelled. Wait, Bowman, no! Miranda insisted. Get it yourself! Sasquatch yelled from inside. Or I'll be right back, Miranda, Bowman said. No, stay! she insisted. <laughs> Bowman made a sound like a bird when he was frustrated. But there's someone on my property! He's the same guy from before, remember? Remember the new dog I brought you? Bowman scratched at his neck beard and contemplated this. Oh, yeah. You're lousy mutt getting under my house. Lantis recoiled, fearful. Radix watched this exchange, then dropped his duffel bag to the ground and began going through it before tossing Lantis some of his old clothes. He didn't want to give anything away, but he equally didn't want some guy standing around there naked either. He discovered some particularly tacky articles in his bag and realized it must have been his dad's old clothes he had packed by accident, as he had never be caught dead wearing them. A bright Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts. Luckily, Lantis caught on to how clothes worked and needed no help putting them on, as he had seen enough humans wearing clothes by now to get it. But he refused to put on the sandals which Radix also offered him, as wearing stuff on his feet just didn't feel right. Bowman and Miranda continued to argue over whether or not Lantis should be shot. So Radix occupied this time by asking, So what is your deal anyway? Lantis considered this for a moment before replying, I don't know. You don't know? Where are you from? The woods. You were raised by wolves or something? And I'm guessing they also taught you how to speak? Oh, raised by wolves, yes. But I was taught English and a good deal about human lore by a rooster named Mr. Roosty. Mr. Roosty? Lantis found himself smiling at the thought of that old bird. He was a good rooster, very cultured, but kind of prone to violent outbursts. Uh, not against me, of course. Lantis itched at himself, chewing at his shoulder. Far too much dirt on his skin, under the clothes. Radix sighed, wondering if he should have hosed the quote-unquote dog off first. Bowman took one last long drag from his cig, then dropped it to the ground and stomped it out. Oh, okay, fine. I won't shoot him, Bowman agreed. Well, that doesn't mean he can stay here. Pa would definitely shoot him if he saw him. Can't you just introduce them now? Oh, that wouldn't make any difference. Radix is in danger just by standing here, and he's known Pa for years. Unfortunately, Radix confirmed. Still, while everyone was listening, he wanted to get back to what he had come here to say. So yeah, as I was saying earlier, do you know what day it is? Bowman! Friday? Oh no, right, we graduated Friday. Then that would make it... Saturday! Exactly! And my dad told me, long ago, 
that the second I turned eighteen, right at the stroke of midnight, I was being kicked out of the house, Raddix informed. That means you need a job, Miranda cut straight to the heart of the issue. Exactly, Raddix declared once again. But jobs suck, and so I have an alternative, much better idea. We should start our own business. We? Bowman didn't like the sound of that one bit. Don't worry, I'll do all the work. You just gotta be there. Uh, Also, you gotta do all the work, because it's gonna be a computer repair shop, Raddix exclaimed. You know computer stuff, right? Well, you do that, and we make money. Bowman wasn't so sure about all of this. And you can shut all that up in two days? Bowman asked. Oh, no, 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 no. By midnight tonight. We have the same birthday, so we've got, like, five hours to make this happen, Radix exclaimed. It'll work. Trust me. I just thought all this up a couple hours ago, then ran straight here. I hashed out all the details in my head on the way. We can do it, Bowman. Just the two of us. What do you say? Bowman did more angry bird chirps. Our birthdays are on Monday, though. Miranda didn't want to correct Bowman, so she stayed quiet. Look, let's just take your car into town and set all this up now. I have my stuff packed. I went ahead and moved out before my dad could kick me out. Radix indicated the duffel bag he had brought with him. This is all so sudden. Miranda wanted to appeal to logic. Have you two ever talked about doing anything like this before? They both shook their heads. No. Right, so, well, you can't exactly sleep on it. I don't know what to say. Just believe me, Radix insisted. This will work. Well, what's your plan exactly? Miranda asked, since Bowman wasn't asking any questions. Well, step one, Bowman can fix computers. And step two, I know there's a block of shops in town with some buildings for rent. So, step three, we rent one of those from the guy that owns them. Then, finally, and this is important, step four, put a sign out front saying, Computer Repair Shop. And then that leads us to the all-important step five, Bowman fixes what people bring in. And of course, step six, we charge. I don't know, we'll work that out later. And then, Miranda pressed. And then nothing, Radix replied. That's all there is to running a shop, right? Have a location and a service. Is there anything else to it beyond that? Come on, Bowman. Do you really want to spend all week at home with your family? Bowman shuddered. Oh, of course not. My dad's an asshole and my brother's a dill hole. But I still don't think I can do it. Well, you know, if you were in town, Miranda considered, then it would be a lot easier for me to come and see you. And bring you food. Okay, I'm sold, Bowman decided. I'll go get the car warmed up. And then he noticed the dog-human thing trying to crawl back under his house. Or you'll get away from there! Oh yeah, Miranda realized. I nearly forgot. Where's the doggy person going to stay? I can't have pets or extra people over at my place. Oh, we'll just take him with us. Release him in town somewhere, Raddick said. No, you can't release him! Look at that face! Miranda pointed out how sad he looked. Ugh! Radix so did not want to deal with this. Fine, he can come stay at the store. We use him as a mascot or something. Awesome! Miranda gave a little jump of triumph, throwing a fist into the air. You hear that, puppy? You're gonna get to be a mascot! Lantis looked pleased. 
This was a day Raddix had known was coming for a long time, but it was a relief that everything had worked out so easily, despite his procrastination at planning for it. During his senior year, he saw more and more of his friends getting jobs, such as Miranda, who worked at Tons of Buns in town, a bread shop named after Mr. and Mrs. Buns, its owners. She currently rented a small room connected to the bread shop, so everything had worked out for her. She was set and ready to go in life the moment she was done with high school. But Radix wasn't nearly as fortunate. He graduated, came home, and meant to figure out what he would do, but instead wound up playing video games until he fell asleep. This afternoon he awoke, and his dad was waiting for him in the living room. Radix, his old man had declared, Tick, talk. Ever the herald of bad news, his dad wanted to make sure Radix felt the pressure of time. The second the clock struck midnight, if he was still there, the second he turned eighteen, he would be ran out of his own house. Starting a shop was the only idea he could come up with, but he had no discernible skills worth money. But then, Bowman's ability to computer stuff came to mind, and the rest of the details worked themselves out as he took the two-hour walk through the forest to come to see Bowman. And to think... Radix was the lucky child. His sisters were both sent away long ago to a boarding school, one in Russia, one in Germany. He hadn't seen or heard from either of them in years, and his dad didn't permit his children to communicate for fear that they would plot against him. Today, Radix didn't even know what his sisters' addresses were or any of their contact info. Likewise with him, because his dad moved to their current home just as soon as he sent his sisters away so any mail his sisters attempted to send would show up at their old place in London, the last place they lived before moving deep into the dirty south of the United States. No time for dwelling on all that now, however, as Radix needed to focus on how they had talked their future landlord into letting them rent a place with no money. He had no idea what the rent would be, but that didn't matter as whatever it was, he couldn't pay it. So where do you plan to live? Miranda asked. Speaking of things he couldn't afford, a place to live was right on top of that list. Radix had no answer. We're staying at the shop, right? Lantis asked. By Jove, this dog boy might just be an accidental genius, Radix realized, but he kept that thought to himself. Yeah, why not? Radix asked. We could, like, use spare articles of clothes as beds to sleep on. Yes, this should work. Most stores in town don't permit people to squat in them, not even the owners, Miranda pointed out. The buns had to go out of their way to set up the room I currently live in, so it'd be both habitable and not directly connected to the store. It wouldn't be considered sanitary if I lived right in the bakery. But we're not selling food, so I'm sure it'll be fine, Radix told her. If not, we'll set our hours after the landlord or landlady goes home. You know, that way they won't know that we're just living there. Miranda couldn't help but crack a smile. As wrong as all that sounds, I want you to know that I'm rooting for you. I'd ask how you plan to pay for all this, but something tells me I don't want to know. Well, thanks for the support, Radix replied. Garge, we have a problem with the car, Bowman called over. Everyone headed over to Bowman's busted and rusted up car. When it wouldn't crank, he had opened the hood to see what was wrong with it. And, failing to see anything amiss there, he had checked the trunk. And bingo, he knew exactly what was wrong. Car troubles, Miranda said. Forget it, I'm out. Maybe if we had Dash here, I'd have a hope of seeing this thing fixed before sunset, but, you know. 
It was a fair assessment, as nobody here knew the first thing about cars. I gotta get home soon, anyway. See ya, Bo... Man? She nearly said Bobo out loud. Now she was blushing and quickly hurried off before anyone noticed. They weren't watching her, though. They were all staring into the trunk. Bowman and Radix knew what was wrong immediately, but Lantis was completely lost here, being unaccustomed to the way things worked at Bowman's place. What's wrong with it? Lantis asked. Oh, the potatoes done got mission, Bowman replied. I'll get my katana, Radix said, hurrying back over to where he had thrown his duffel bag down. Potatoes? Lantis couldn't have been more confused. Ah, the wonders of the world he found himself in. Bowman went back inside the trailer to fetch his high-tech backpack, the one with all the giant metal spider legs that could come out of it, along with laser guns and flamethrowers. Unfortunately, Dylan had snuck into his room and accidentally spilled a soda on it, so it was ruined. "'Your goddamn asshole!' Bowman beat on the wall, separating their rooms. "'I know what you did!' "'Come do something about it! Fat ass!' Dylan yelled back. But there was no time to do so as the potatoes escaping was bad news for everyone. Bowman grabbed one of the many shotguns lying around the house and a handful of shells before heading back outside. It wasn't his most ideal way to protect himself, but it was better than nothing. Radix, meanwhile, had slipped into his otaku ninja suit, a perfectly black stealth suit covered in bright, shiny anime pins, same as his duffel bag. He wielded a katana now. All right, let's do this. Radix said in a deeper, more gravelly voice, as he was ought to do when in costume. Lantis watched in complete confusion as Radix and Bowman ran towards a giant pile of cement blocks next to his trailer. It was once the entrance of a construction site for a proper house, but something ate the construction workers before they were ever finished putting it together. Now it was a ruin comprised of steel beams and piles of cement. Rusty construction equipment loomed overhead like sleeping beasts, and scarecrows planted by the neighborhood children one Halloween made the place appear quite spooky as the sun began to set. Lantis followed them only to the edge of this place, but dared not go any further at first. As they moved into it, away from him, the shadow that followed him grew close. He felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand on end, and turned quickly to catch a glimpse of it. He whimpered softly to himself, and then found the strength in his legs to rush into the abandoned construction site, or else the shadow would have time to creep even closer. Radix looked all around the common places the potatoes tended to escape to, pausing when a pile of cement blocks shifted. It was very slight, a trail of dust leaking down from one of the blocks. He turned to it and... Foom! Vines shot out at him, and he slashed at them before they could grab him. The potatoes in the pile of cement blocks hissed as their vines were cut, Red blood spewed freely from them. Radix shot a hand into the pile and pulled out one of the potatoes, its teeth-filled body bitten to his hand, but his glove was made of thick enough leather that it couldn't pierce his skin. Ba-blam! Bowman must have found some, he thought when he heard a shotgun blast. However, he was wrong. It was yet another crazy neighbor who was currently running at him with a shotgun. Get off of my property! The neighbor yelled. Oh, goddammit! Radix yelped breaking character from his ninja guys as he turned and ran quickly away with all the potatoes he could grab. Lantis saw Radix running past him and joined in in his fleeing, getting up under his legs and tripping him up as dogs were ought to do. They got back to the car in Bowman's yard where it was relatively safe, and a moment later Bowman returned with an armful of potatoes. 
He threw one casually into his mouth and managed to eat it before it ate him. There should be enough, Bowman said, shoving the potatoes into his trunk and beating them with the butt of his shotgun until they stopped squirming. Raddix tossed his in as well, and then Bowman slammed the trunk closed. After that, he tossed the shotgun off to the side, no longer needing it, as Raddix took off his otaku ninja guys and returned it and the katana to the duffel bag before running and jumping in the front seat of the car. Why did we need those potatoes? Lantis had to ask. The car's potato-powered. I'll let them grow in the trunk. Or in exchange, they're hooked up to the battery so the ignition will work, Bowman explained. Lantis opened the back door, and the window fell out. Damn it! Bowman yelled. You don't know how to do it right. Let me. Bowman put the window back in, then lowered the sun visor in the front and pushed in the cigarette lighter, before turning the AC to three. The AC didn't work, but it needed to be on three for the door to open properly. Okay, now try it, Bowman said. Lantis opened the door, and it worked. There was too much junk in the foot for legroom, and too much junk in the seat to sit. But he managed to shove enough of it over... Too much, in fact, and a thing hissed at him. He pushed some junk back on top of that thing and then sat down on the trash before finally closing the door. Okay, now the takeoff maneuver is very complicated. So do exactly what I tell you, Bowman said. Bowman opened the glove box, and that unlocked the gear shift so he could set it to drive without turning the car on. Now everyone lower your windows and stick your arms out like an L. They followed instructions, and then Bowman was able to crank up the car. They took off down the dirt road, and Lantis brought his arm back inside, and the car's engine immediately died. Damn it! I didn't try to put your arm back in yet! Bowman yelled. Oh, uh, sorry, Lantis said, sticking his arm back out the window, enabling the car to crank back up. Are your lights busted? Raddix asked. Yeah, but don't worry about it. Everyone else on the road goes just light so I can see who not to hit. Ah, uh, makes sense. With the sun setting and the owner of the block of stores bound to be headed home soon, time was against the trio. They needed to get the shop rented out tonight, or else they'd have to return to Bowman's house, where few people ever survive. That concludes Chapter 2 of The Shop. Tune in every Tuesday for new chapters. If you'd like to reach me, you can do so at Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. That's L-A-N-T-I-S-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. And if you'd like to reach the author, you can send me your message, and I assure you he'll receive it, because we're the same person. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for next week's chapter, Let's Open the Shop.